Acts chapter 20, verse 23. The Apostle Paul to the Ephesian elders at a retreat. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Psalm 107, 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. My message tonight is simply this, testify. God bless you. Please be seated. Your testimony is powerful. I've been raised in church all my life, and I've heard some amazing testimonies. I heard a brand new believer curse while he was thanking God for his salvation. I've heard people say, I feel good in my soul, feel like traveling on, making heaven my home. I heard one man who got called on to testify in church in an impromptu manner. He thought he was being funny, but he said, Jesus wept. Peter slept. John fell off the back door step. He said it in church. Pastor's wife, who was leading the testimony service at that moment, was not the least bit amused at that testimony, but we thought it was pretty funny just for a minute. To testify is to witness, to attest, to prove by an eyewitness account. Testifying is not giving your opinion. It is telling what you have seen and what you have heard. Is sharing what you know. It's to give evidence, a proof that something exists or something is the case that is alleged to be the case. Legal sentences are meted out based on credible testimonies. In the Bible, a single witness could not cause a person to be put to death. But Deuteronomy 19.15 says that at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, the matter shall be established in someone to be stoned to death because of their offense. Numbers 35 said, by the mouth of witnesses, but one witness shall not testify against a person to cause him to die. Looking back on this, Jesus said, it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. In other words, one witness is powerful. But when we work together, when we testify together, it's exponentially more powerful and binding. I'm not really trying to relate to what I spoke about last Wednesday night, but how important it is for us to testify in song and prayer and preaching with the preaching that we agree with what is said, that we affirm what is being preached from the Word of God. Amen? Your testimony is very powerful. Now, as you go through the word testify in the Old Testament, you'll find out that most occurrences of the word testify are God testifying against Israel for their sins. Testimony there has a negative use where it does the same thing. It attests to sin, uh, but there's also in the Bible that positive, powerful testimony. And I want to encourage you today to use your testimony for good. The Bible, I read it a few minutes ago, but I want to read it again on the screen, Psalm 107.1. I'll give thanks unto the Lord, 
for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If the Lord purchased your salvation, brought you back from sin, if he's redeemed you by his blood, then the Bible says you should testify about that. You should say so. You should not be silent. And I want you, don't, I'm asking you to not read back into my previous five minute sermonette. Uh, it can have its applications, but really they're two different topics. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. He's quoting an Old Testament writer. And he's saying, if you really believe, you should speak what you believe. We believe the gospel, Paul said. And therefore, have we spoken what we believe. Now, testifying or a positive testimony has a powerful effect. When you say something encouraging and strengthening, it can make a big difference in the lives of other people. Proverbs 15.30, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy. Or if you're reading the King James, makes them fat or strong. Proverbs 25, 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Good news, a testimony, a word of encouragement has a very powerful effect. So if you've been redeemed, say so. If God's been good to you, tell it everywhere you go. Amen, if you have some good news to share, then share it. And there are three reasons I want to give tonight. You should testify for God's sake as his witnesses. Testify for the sake of others, unbelievers, other believers, and the next generation. And you should testify for your own sake. So first of all, we are called to be God's witnesses. So we testify on his behalf or for God's sake. In Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. You are my witnesses to testify of me. Jesus was here. He was God's witness as the, the mediator, the God in flesh, the man Christ Jesus. And he passed that assignment on to us. He's given us ministry of reconciliation that we would witness on his behalf and testify for him. In Acts 5.32, there are many scriptures that will not be on the screen that I have in my notes. But uh, the Apostle Peter said, and we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost, the dual witness of words and spirit working together. Acts 4 and 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now he's telling them in the context of Acts 4 and 20, we cannot be quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. We believe, therefore we speak. We have believed, therefore we have spoken. We've been redeemed, 
And so we're going to say so. We're going to testify of the goodness of God. Now, the Bible teaches in Psalm 19:1 and other places that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So all of creation testifies about the greatness of God, but it is essentially a silent witness. I know thunder may not be silent, but it is God's witness in the heavens, in creation. But we are God's spoken witnesses. I know by your life, you're a silent witness. Wherever you go, your character and conduct testifies of your nature that has been changed by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and I'll use the word preaching and the idea of preaching in this message, but I'm really talking about your testimony and the power of your words. God shows by the foolishness of preaching. Now, maybe he means by the thing preached, by the cross, to save them that are believed. God has entrusted us with the gospel. His saving power is conveyed by words. In our text, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 24, he's called the elders of the Ephesians church, Ephesian churches, to a retreat, and he speaks about his future and about the danger that he may face. They cry at the end of this. They weep because they will see his face no more. But he said, of all the things that he faces in his life, none of these things move me. They do not change my conviction or my determination. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. He says at the end of his life that he has finished his course. So he does what he says he's going to do. This course and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's life mission was to testify of the gospel. With his brilliant intellectual theological mind, on more than one occasion, perhaps three, Paul shared his personal story. He could argue from theology, the Old Testament. He could argue from philosophy as he did in Acts 14 and Acts 17. But he chose to often tell his testimony, what he used to be before God saved him, of his encounter with God on the road to Damascus, and how the Lord changed his life and called him to be a witness. Paul used his personal testimony to persuade kings and people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told us in 1 Corinthians 9 and 15 that he really didn't have a choice in the matter. He said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said, necessity is laid upon me. In Romans 1 and 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He wasn't afraid of what would happen when he spoke that word. He knew that there was a power that was conveyed when he testified of the grace of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now when the Lord spoke to Ananias, the man who came and laid hands on Paul, that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost, the man that baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was afraid to go pray with Paul, but the Lord spoke to Ananias. He said, go thy way. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. 
Paul would testify of the ministry and the grace of God wherever he went. To his son in the gospel, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1 and 8, he told him, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Don't back down from the truth. And then he said, nor of me, this, his prisoner. In other words, I'm in the middle of afflictions, he tells us, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of me, and don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not fear the consequences of testifying for the goodness of God. So we testify for God's sake as his witnesses. He's called us to be his witnesses. We also testify for the sake of other people. And the first category of other people is for lost people. Amen. The ideas established in my first point about the power of the gospel to save people, to change their lives. But I want to make a few points about our witness to lost people. That we tell them about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And we can bring lost people to the Lord through the power of the gospel. When we tell how Jesus saved us, it has a powerful effect. It's been several years, I think, according to my notes, since I've really taught on this. I just want to give you an excerpt. But we tell about how our lives were before we were saved. Your testimony has three components of it. Before, how, and now. Before I came to God, how I came to God, and now that I've come to God, how my life has changed. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Before, how, now. Before I came to God. What I was like, how I fought, my attitudes toward God, other people, and even myself. Sends power over me. That's part of my testimony. The before Christ portion of my testimony. And then how I came to God. Your story might involve a dream or a vision or a friend at work or a parent. Someone who told you, who testified to you and told you about salvation. And then your conversion experience. How you turn from your sins in repentance. How you join Jesus Christ in his death by being buried with him by baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How you rose to walk in the newness of life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How did you come to God? There's a powerful part of your testimony. Usually I try to make sure I help people understand that sin is a power that you cannot overcome on your own. That sin is man's problem and that it has people bound and separated from a pure and holy God. But I'm thankful for God's solution to my problem. That Calvary was God's only provision for man's sin. That while I was dead in sins, Jesus Christ laid down his life for me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't pay for it. Amen. But I thank God part of my salvation is that when I cannot help myself, Jesus Christ helped me. When I cannot purchase my salvation, Jesus purchased my salvation. Amen. Regardless of what Jesus did, his solution, there's always our responsibility to exercise saving faith by accepting and applying the gospel to our lives. Believing is so important, but obedience to what you believe 
is the demonstration that you really believe. Amen. My responsibility is to obey the gospel, to apply it to my life, through repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody please say before. before. And how? how? And now. Now. My goodness, what a difference Jesus Christ has made in our life. We're not perfect, but I don't like to say that I'm a sinner. I was a sinner saved by grace. It doesn't mean that Christians never sin, but we've been delivered from the power of sin. We've been delivered from the penalty of sin. Amen. We've been delivered from eternal death and hell. Amen. We are children of God. Praise God. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And now my total attitude has changed. I think differently. My attitude toward life is differently. God's given me power over sin. He's given us righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The promise of eternal life. Amen. That's, that's part of what we witness. How I came to God. I testify of before, how, and now. And how God brought me into his kingdom. When Jesus delivered the man of Gadara from demons. The whole multitude came about. They, everybody knew of this miracle. And the man out of whom these devils, the legion of devils were cast, he wanted to follow Jesus. Now, people followed Jesus. But in Luke 8, 39, this is what Jesus told that delivered man of Gadara to do. Return to thine own house and show how great things God had done for thee. And he went his way and he published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done for him. What a testimony of the deliverance from demonic possession. That's a testimony to tell. That man had one, but we have one. Praise God. We testify for other people, starting with lost people. One other verse that I want to share with you about witnessing, testifying, to unchurched people, unsaved people. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. In your interactions, with lost people, by your attitude, by your words, by your tone, by your expressions, by the tip you leave. Oh, I felt that when I said it. Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. Sprinkle a little something on there that has a preserving influence that changes the taste of food, right? Make it better than it could be. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. And ask God for wisdom because you are a testifier of the grace of Jesus Christ. You're a testimony of the grace of God. We testify for the sake of lost people. But we also testify to encourage and strengthen other believers. In Psalm 40... 
the Bible said that I will testify in the assembly that I've not concealed your loving kindness. He said, I'm going to talk about it to church people. Hebrews 2 and 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I praise thee. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another. I stuck with the King James here. I try to triangulate verses, looking at other translations and commentary if I'm unsure of that passage and need to review it. And to provoke, it means to motivate. But I left provoke there, to prod, to encourage people. To provoke unto love and good works. And I kind of wanted to say provoke because some people provoke to a lot of other reactions. So you should consider one another. Not yourself always. Consider one another. And you should motivate them. You should stir them up. You should provoke them to love and good works. And I want you to see the context because the next verse is one we love to talk about. But look at the context. We're talking about provoking one another, encouraging one another, moting one another to love and good works. But where do you do that? Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're going to motivate, we're going to provoke to love and good works when we're with people. I know you can do that in 2023 in a text, an email. You can post something on social media. But the context is in fellowship with one another, in a small group, in a class, on a ministry team, before and after church. Amen. When we gather together, it should be to motivate people to love and good works. And if you have any other motivation, then you need to leave that somewhere else. That's not the culture of a Christian or this church. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving. Amen. This motivation takes place in the context of a gathering according to Hebrews. Amen. The attitude that you are carrying is revealed in your words, in your testimony. Luke 6.45, New Living Translation. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I could just say, you may be dismissed right now, right? Because <laughs> the dagger is deep of this verse, my goodness. So what you say is the product of what's on the inside. You've got, you've got a treasury. You've got an emotional, mental bank account. And what is in there is what is coming out. And if what is coming out is not a good heart, doesn't sound like it comes from a good heart, then that means you need to have a spiritual house cleaning. So you testify 
to set the tone. If you're negative Ned or Nancy, you're killing the relational climate like air pollution. You may not know how negative you are, but other people do. And negativity is like insect repellent for people. It is keeping them away from you. You need a good friend to tell you your negative faults and trust their faithful wounds. As Proverbs 27, 6 said, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Amen. You may say, I'm just a realist. I call it like I see it. You need to let your speech be seasoned with salt, with grace. Amen. We understand that in the church, in the world, at work, at home, there are real problems to be dealt with. We need to ask the Lord to give us grace because everything we say is a testimony. It's a testimony of something. Praise God. So we want to address those challenges in the right way. Psalm 66 and 16 says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. We testify to the lost. We testify to other believers. And I want to add that we also testify to the next generation. Now, I know those could be lost or saved, but I want to make us, you know, kind of a condensation of this section. But in Deuteronomy 6 4, you know, the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You love him with all your heart, soul, and might. And these words are in your heart. You teach them diligently to your children, and then you talk about them all the time. When you get up, when you go to bed, when you walk by the way, that's what you talk about. You are testifying to the next generation in the context of Deuteronomy 6 is to your children. It's fascinating to me that memorials in the Bible were conversation starters. In Joshua 4, they took 12 stones. They stacked them up pitched, when they pitched at Gilgal. And they said, Joshua 4.21, when your children ask your fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you're going to let your children know. You're going to testify to your children. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until we passed over in the same way as the Lord your God did at the Red Sea, just like he did to that generation, we had miracles in our generations. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. We testify to the next generation. We tell them what God has done in our lives. The before, the how, the now. We tell them the miracles of an Imagine campaign. We tell them about miraculous healings. We tell them about the grace of God that kept us through tough times. When we didn't get a healing, when we didn't get the answer we expected, but God was good. Amen. To all the trouble, the trial, the vicissitudes of life, God was there. Psalm 71, my mouth will tell of your righteousness. Verse 16, I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. Verse 17, to this day I will declare your wondrous works. And then he said in verse 18, Psalm 71, when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power 
to everyone who is to come. Psalm 78 gives a similar idea that I will open my mouth. The things that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. We're going to tell the next generation. We're going to testify to them of the greatness of God. So the same God who worked in our life will work in their life. Amen. God established testimony in Jacob and commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. From generation to generation to generation, we testify of what God has done in our lives. Psalm 78, 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God that keep his commandments. In Psalm 145, one generation shall praise his works to another and shall declare, testify of your mighty acts. So we testify, amen? We testify to lost people, to other believers. We testify to the next generation. We testify for the God's sake as his witnesses, for other people's sake, for salvation, encouragement, and strength to secure the next generation. But we also testify for our sake. Amen. You may remember when David was greatly distressed and his followers spoke of stoning him. For Samuel 36, David encouraged himself in the Lord. He just, had, he just got his Bible out, got the pulpit, he preached and he ran out there and sat down in the congregation. <laughs> Listen to what he just said. There was no one else that was on his side, so he encouraged himself in the Lord. 2 Timothy 1 and 8. The verse I mentioned earlier, Paul told Timothy, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Make sure that in your life you keep your testimony for your sake, to keep your soul, that you remind yourself of God's goodness in your life so that you don't forget. It's been my experience that when people are ready to make a really bad decision, they look back over the peaks and valleys of life and they selectively choose what they want to remember to justify the actions they're about to take. And maybe a husband or wife in a marriage. And they look back and all they want to remember is the lows. So it will justify their exit from that relationship. You need to testify to yourself that God has never failed you. He's been good to you through thick and thin. Amen. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. We testify for our own sake. Revelation 12, 11. These martyrs, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Their testimony gave them power over Satan in that case. They loved not their lives unto death. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Sorry, this is not on the screens. But what saith that the word is nigh thee even in your mouth and in thy heart, 
the word of faith which we preach. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now I know there are non-apostolics that use this verse to say all you have to do is, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I confess him. We understand this epistle written to Christians Save people who had obeyed Acts 2.38. But this truth is true, right? It is with the heart we believe. It is with the mouth we confess. So if God has been good to you and you feel it, notify your mind, notify your mouth, and say it. Amen. Matthew 10.32. Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. If we clam up, if we hold back our testimony, if we are ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, if we deny him, he will deny us. Our words are powerful to testify for our sake, amen? As I mentioned earlier, our words really reveal our hearts. Matthew 12, 33. Jesus' words. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For tree is known by its fruit. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Jesus said it, so it must be pretty deep. Then he said, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, I mentioned this verse earlier, out of the treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures, treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words are powerful. And I want to encourage you tonight to testify, testify for God's sake as his witness, for the sake of people who are lost that they would be saved. For the sake of other believers, that they would be encouraged. For the sake of the next generation, that they will believe in the God of their fathers. And that you would testify to yourself or for your sake to secure your soul, to encourage yourself in times of disappointment or trouble in your life. When you are speaking, you are unpacking what's in your heart. You may not even know it's there. You say, well, I, I spoke before I thought. Well, not really. Maybe you didn't think enough about what you said. We've all done that. Well, I'll, I'll say, excuse me, I do not want to speak for you. I've done that. But to say I didn't think about it would say I was speaking in tongues. Because you don't have to think about it when you're speaking in tongues. But if you said it, it was there. It came from somewhere. We want to deal with the somewhere 
so we can deal with what we say so that we testify the grace of God. And then we want to deal with where that comes from. In Psalm 19, the Bible said, to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If Proverbs 18 and 21 is true, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof, then we need to let our mouth, our tongue, our words have life and not death. We need to testify. Jesus told Nicodemus, we speak what we know, and we testify that we have seen. And then he said, but you don't believe our witness. But I want to just hold on to that phrase that Jesus said, we, we tell what we know and we testify what we've seen. So we need to make sure that we testify the glory of God as God's messenger to other people to our own sake. I want you to stop just for a minute right now. And I want you to think of what you would say tonight if you were put on the witness stand to testify about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Now, I know he's done a lot for you, but what would you say? What would you tell someone if you wanted to know what Jesus Christ has done for you? What would you say to a lost person? What would you say to a fellow believer? What would you say to a young person who's struggling with life and philosophies or maybe a tough thing they're going through? What is your testimony that keeps you doing right when you're tempted to do wrong? What testimony have you heard from other people that has encouraged you when you thought about giving up. I want to encourage you tonight to testify. Let's stand right now, if you would. Amen. Testify. Testify. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord right now, and would you just... Tell him something that you're thankful for, that he has done for you. Would you testify to the Lord right now about his goodness in your life, about his mercies that are new every morning?